You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1052 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. And today's podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, live below prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On set you. So I'm coming to you late into the night here. It's Tuesday morning at this point in time. It's been an absolute wild night in the NBA. Big names staying put, some guys leaving. Hundreds of millions of contracts going out. It's free agency. It's only been seven hours as I record this, and it's been absolute madness. So there's plenty to get to. Um, we'll talk about Gorgie Jang, the newest member of the Hawks front court, uh, at least reportedly, later on in the podcast, as well as Solomon Hill's return and some other stuff later on in the show. But the, the single biggest thing in Hawksland Monday evening, uh, pending a John Collins uh, resolution, which has not come just yet, is the Trey Young contract extension. So... This is expected in every way, shape, or form. I refer to it as pretty much a done deal, at least um, in terms of practical terms. In the last you know couple of weeks and months, there have been really no doubt that Trey was going to get the max and get anything he wanted in a max extension, and now that is reported to be done. Nothing could be signed just yet. It's not been announced by the Hawks, but Adrian Wojnarowski reports, and that's basically good, as good as gold, that Trey Young will be sticking around Atlanta. In fact, Trey now has responded on Twitter as, as I'm recording this um, to sort of, uh, I think, confirm that news. But... Um, I discussed this at length in our salary cap episode a couple weeks ago, and again, I basically thought this was going to be a done deal. So it's a five-year max contract. No big surprise there. That's the max. That's the most they can give him. Um, the only real point of contention is something that actually Woj um, sort of snuck in his story late into the night here on Tuesday that I actually just um, came upon on ESPN.com. And this is the uh, this is the language that actually is sort of the headliner for me because you know clearly Trey Young sticking around long term and signing the deal and committing to Atlanta is the number one best possible news for the Hawks. He's their centerpiece, franchise player, and you know a fantastic player overall, and uh, huge stuff that he's he's sticking around long term. But in terms of the contract, the big news is that the deal quote also includes an early termination option after the fourth season, end quote. That's from Oge's reporting. Um, so, again, this isn't a surprise to me at all. Uh, last time around, Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell got player options. Um, and I think Trey Young is as good or better than those guys um, as they were signing the contract. So, I am not surprised at all if this was in there. But um, an early termination option, by the way, is essentially the same as a player option on the fifth year. It's not exactly the same, but it's basically the same exact thing. Um, he can choose to decline that um, or, I guess, exercise the termination option and uh, cut off that fifth season if he'd like to. So that's a little bit of flexibility on the player side. That's worse for the team, but that's what happens. You know, Trey Young is good enough to where he can, he can sort of command any kind of contract that he wants, and that was the sort of last thing that he could certainly ask for and he got from the Hawks. So... Nothing bad about that. It's just that the free agency period for Trey Young will actually arrive a year earlier, provided he stays at this level and decides to opt out. Regardless, though, still a great night for the Hawks overall. It's also worth noting that there's some flexibility in how much money Trey can actually make um, on this contract. Uh, Woj reported it in his first tweet as five years at $207 million. Um, that is the absolute max that it can be, but I will just note this as well. He can only get to that number if he makes All-NBA this season, which I talked about a little bit on the last podcast, but there's been some numbers that have changed, um, and we'll get into that actually later on on this show about why that happened. But I'm going to give you the projection, sort of the rough math here. 
Um, if he does not make All-NBA, he, he'll be on the 25% max with um, the max raises. Um, if he does make All-NBA, it's the 30% max. So basically, the deal is either going to be uh, five years at about $172.5 million, which is still a ton of money, uh, 29.75 in the first year, all the way up to almost 40 at the end. If he, if, he, if he makes All-NBA, which I think is a pretty decent bet for next year, he'll start at 35-plus million, like 35.7 million in year one, and then it won't end until uh, same, the same duration, but at the end it'll be $47 million. So there's a $35 million gap, almost anyway, about $34.5 million between All-NBA this year and not. So um, Trey Young will be uh, certainly rooting pretty hard um, for All-NBA. I know Hawks fans will be as well. It's this weird spot for the team, though, where it's actually better for the team if he doesn't make it, as crazy as that is. But regardless, no one will be, no one will be upset if he makes All-NBA and he's playing at a super high level. But that's sort of the future-facing drama with this is as to whether Trey makes All-NBA next year because that will literally dictate how much he is paid. Um, but at a bare minimum, Trey Young will be making uh, once he's locked into five years and $172 million. Uh, that's a lot of money. So congratulations to Trey Young. And uh, a heck of a day, heck of a day for him and the Hawks, and now that they don't have their franchise player locked up long term, which is a, obviously a pretty good sign for all parties involved. All right, with that out of the way and the details and all of that stuff, and again, I want to emphasize one more time: this is awesome for the Hawks to have their best player under contract. Um, with all that said, we'll have much more on the other stuff from today. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast, and the first of which is RockAuto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models in the car or truck world, it's now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why would you endure often pointless questioning from someone at a storefront and have to wait while someone at the counter orders the parts on the computer, only choosing the brand that the warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com right now, both at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for all the audio and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need. Just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is uniquely and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your car and choose the brands, specs, and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you went right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box to know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com all right, we will now go to Gorgie Jang and a report from John Krasinski of The Athletic up in Minnesota. Does a great job covering the Wolves and a bunch of Minnesota teams. He reports that the Hawks have agreed to a one-year deal worth about $4 million with Gorgie Jang. It could be, and I want to stress could be, the biannual exception. Uh, that would make some sense for the Hawks, but that's only about $3.7 million. So either there's a rounding up here to $4 million or it's part of the mid-level exception because the Hawks are operating right now over the cap with John Collins' cap hold. Not to go too salary cap nerdy on everybody tonight, but regardless, it'll be an exception of some sort that gets dang, gets Jang to Atlanta. And honestly, this is one of the better names that the Hawks could have secured for the role that they have available. Uh, with a Kongwu out, they do have uh, something of a hole at backup center, at least for a while. And Jang, I think, is pretty qualified and almost overqualified for the role that they have because he's one of the, I think, a pretty solid, I would say, average to above average backup center in the NBA. And given what the Hawks have to offer, that's a pretty solid addition. He's 31 years old, an eight-year veteran. He can shoot a little bit. The last couple of years, he's been shooting the ball pretty well. He does have a pretty slow release, but about 38% from three the last two seasons. 
on at least some volume, not huge volume, but decent enough to where it's like kind of believable. Um, also has has some pretty pretty good block and steal numbers in his career, and rebounding numbers are pretty solid as well. Again, just kind of a very solid backup center. One of the better options on the market for me. I, I had a pretty long list that I was actually going to go through tonight if, if they did not sign somebody today. But Jang was near the top of my uh, desirability list for the Hawks, given what their resources were, what the role was, etc. He should bridge the gap very nicely. Good injury, injury insurance also. If Capella were to miss time or Kongwu gets, you know, takes a little bit longer to come back, having a guy like Jang, who is definitely a rotation caliber center, is very very solid. I wouldn't want him playing, you know, starter minutes if they can help it. But and you know, unless Capella goes down, and also if 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 I want to stress if if they, if they bring John Collins back. You can play him at center as well, minimize the need for that role. You have Gallo who can play a little bit of five as well. So they have all kinds of options. They needed one more body at least that was uh, playable though. And I think they found that in Gorgie Jake. So we'll have more um, analysis on Gorgie in the future. Probably a couple of people that I've always covered him in the past that I'll have on the podcast in the offseason months. But for now, he projects to be in the rotation as a backup center early on next season. Uh, elsewhere, Solomon Hill is back with the Hawks, according to a report from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski that was confirmed by the AJC after that. Um, this is, um, I'm assuming for the minimum, no details released at this point in time, but given his market and where he's, where he's at age-wise, I'd be surprised if it was not for the minimum for Solomon Hill. Um, and that's totally fine. I've talked about this a couple of times on the, on the podcast the last couple of weeks that I thought it was going to be a pretty likely option that Hill would return. Um, for one, he's an absolutely elite locker room guy. Everyone loves Solomon Hill. I say that all the time, but it's true. Everybody loves Solomon Hill from his Twitter stuff to his locker room leadership to his general um, volume in the locker room and also on the floor. He's a talker in a good way, an encourager. Everyone seems to love Solomon Hill, and that was the case from the time that he arrived in Atlanta before last season. He brings toughness, um, leadership, all of that fun stuff. You know, Offensively, it's a bit of an adventure. He's not a great player offensively by any means. At this point in time, we saw that in the playoffs. He was overextended last year with the role that he was in with the Hawks. But defensively, he's a very, very, very good def- defender in terms of his team stuff. One-on-one, he's limited, but definitely is versatile enough, pretty strong. Not too quick at this point in time, more of a four. But still, someone who can be in the right place at the right time. Check all the boxes, organize his teammates, etc. It is easy to forget this, but he was supposed to be the 11th guy, maybe the 12th guy on last year's team. Ended up playing a ton of minutes because of all the injuries, but... Without all the injuries, he was supposed to be a guy that maybe didn't play every night. And that's now going to be the case again. I think that's the role that you would find Solomon Hill in for next year, barring injuries that are crazy towards last year, is a guy who doesn't have to play every night, can be around the team, be that mentor type, and also come in and give you reasonable minutes when needed if you have an injury or two to you know any of your forward options to your Cam Reddishes or your DeAndre Hunters or Jalen Johnson or John Collins if he's if he's there or Gallo etc he can play I would say he's still mostly a four he did play some three last year but I think right now his, at this point in his career he's more of a four but still we will see um, Solomon Hill around the around the team it looks like and I do like this deal you know for the minimum. You could do a lot worse than this. In fact, I like this deal pretty pretty aggressively. If it's more than the minimum, that I would I would probably amend that. But in terms of what the resources were, what you actually need on your roster, and that veteran leadership, I am firmly on board with bringing Solomon Hill back as the Hawks. Um, with all of that said, so now they've made the three moves in the last couple of days, all of which are unofficial at this point in time. By the way, the moratorium has begun, so they cannot announce uh, the Hill move or the Dang move or the Jang move, I should say, for a couple of days. But with Jang, Hill, Jalen Johnson, of course, and DeLon Wright, the Hawks will be up to 12 guaranteed contracts for next year. 
Um, that is Trey Young and DeLon Wright in the backcourt. You have Bogdanovich, Herter, Hunter, and Reddish on the wing. You have Gallinari, Johnson, and Hill at the four. You have Capella, Akongwu, and Jang at the five. That, that's 12 guys who are guaranteed salaries for next season unless they are traded or cut, I suppose. Um, Collins would be 13 if that happens. We'll come back to him later on in the podcast. Plus, you have Sharif Cooper, who they've drafted, but second-round picks are not locked into a salary, so we'll see what they do on Sharif, whether it's a two-way or a regular contract. And Skylar May is a, is a restricted free agent as well. They do have all of the other guys um, that were from last year's team are not on the books right now. Your, your Lou Williams, uh, Tony Snell, Brandon Goodwin, all, uh, Nathan Knight, all those guys are not encumbered by anything on, on the Hawks side. They're all unrestricted for agents, so we'll come back to them later on. But for now, they have 12 guys under contract, plus Sharif Cooper, and then you get into Collins, etc. So that's the roster right now. But honestly, um, again, I say if Collins returns, there's not a huge gaping hole really anywhere. Um, they're going to have what, the two the two question marks were really backup point guard and backup center. They've been plugged now at this point in time. So it's like, all right, go out and find the guys that are best suited to giving you some depth. Maybe one more big for some uh, for some insurance, uh, your two-way slots, maybe one more guard if it's not Skylar Mays, um, et cetera. So there's some options, maybe one more wing if they can find one for the, for, for a cheap amount that, want, that wants to come in and maybe uh, provide some depth. So they have some uh, boxes to check, but for, for the most part, the roster is looking like it's going to look um, at the start of the season, again, if they bring back John Collins and don't elect to um, do any nuclear options on the trade market. All right, before we get to our last segment on the podcast today, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is betonline.ag. Even with the season over now for the Atlanta Hawks, BetOnline is still your home for the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season, for example, is still in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline, get all the latest news, odds, and information for all of your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, UFC, MMA, golf, tennis, auto racing, entertainment bets, and much, much more. Before the next pitch or dribble, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the latest great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prepare for their run to the playoffs. And even when they're in the playoffs, head to the website right now at betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Yes, that's checking out betonline.ag for 50% and extra cash and a welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On. The promo code is Locked On for 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, and before we get out of here on this Monday evening into Tuesday, a little bit of news and notes. First, from Sarah Spencer of the AJC, and by the way, congratulations to Sarah who just got married and returned from her honeymoon. So again, congratulations to Sarah, a former guest of this podcast. I'm sure she'll be on again in the near future. But she reported on the Summer League roster for the Hawks. I'm going to save most of my pre-Summer League takes until later on this week before we head out to Las Vegas. But the roster coming of, uh, at least coming to view unofficially from Sarah's reporting, the Hawks have not, have not announced the roster just yet, but I'm, I'm very confident Sarah's going to be right on all this stuff. Um, but the headliner on this report from Sarah is that Cam Reddish is not going to be playing in Las Vegas. Now, that's a surprise on one hand and not on the other. So on one hand, the Hawks indicated, Travis Schlenk said, that they were planning on Cam playing. And that is why it's a surprise, because when you say that, and nothing seemingly changed because uh, Sarah also reported that it's not injury-related with Cam. That's the reason why he's not playing. So I'm not sure what happened there. Obviously, he was out there very much so in trade talks. So maybe that was the case. That's, that has something to do with it. I'm not going to speculate too much. But all I know right now is that he was going to play and now seemingly is not going to play. Now, the other part of this is that 
guys who play two years and play as much as can. I know he was injured for a lot of this season. He's played a lot of basketball in the last two years at the NBA level and also in the, in the conference finals. It would not have been a, a huge surprise to anyone if he did not play summer league. You know, guys, I know he is young, but guys who play real minutes for two years and were lottery picks don't often go to summer league for in, sort of in between year two and year three. So it's uh, kind of both sides here. Like I would have been totally unsurprised or unmoved if he didn't play, but now because he was supposed to play and isn't playing, it becomes a little bit more of a uh, something to watch for in the in the coming days. So that's the latest on that. That's sort of the headliner of Sarah's reporting. Also, of course, Akongwu is out. He is injured, so that's not a huge surprise. Um, Jalen Johnson, Sharif Cooper, Skylar Mays, and Nathan Knight are all on the list. Now, I'll stop here. I talked about Nathan Knight and Skylar Mays a little bit yesterday, particularly Mays, because I uh, I was sort of seeing the reporting and had heard this as well, that Skylar Mays was offered a qualifying offer. I had not heard as of last night about Nathan Knight, but today, John Schumann of NBA.com confirmed that the Hawks uh, did not offer, and I want to say, again, did not offer Nathan Knight a qualifying offer. So all this means to keep it short is that he'll be an unrestricted free agent on the market, whereas Mays is restricted. Um, all that teams have to offer to a two-way player to keep them um, restricted is another two-way contract, which is that's the qualifying offer for a two-way. They offer that to Mays and not tonight. I know I know a lot of Hawks fans were upset about this that I, I sort of heard from on Twitter today. I'm not terribly surprised. Um, for one thing, I think that Mays is a better prospect than Knight. I know that's not exactly a consensus opinion with Hawks fans, but I think Mays is a better prospect. They also drafted Mays and uh, did not draft Knight. Knight was undrafted. Uh, they're both older guys for their draft class, but I think it's more likely that Mays is a long-term contributor than it is that Knight is. I know Knight um, is a fan favorite, and with good reason. He plays hard and flies around and, and dunks and all that stuff. And I actually like Nathan Knight. I like that, that, that two-way contract was a good one, I think. And by the way, not giving him a qualifying offer does not mean that he won't come back as a two-way guy or something else because he's on the summer league roster, reportedly from Sarah. So this, they're not like parting ways here, but I'm okay with him not offering a qualifying offer. Uh, Knight is a little bit limited defensively. He's pretty bad on the end of the floor right now. Also, it's kind of a tweener between the four and the five. So I can see all sides here, but I will say this. There's nothing wrong or crazy about them not offering him a qualifying offer. Um, and there are still mechanisms to bring him back. So that's where I'm at right now. People were asking me about this today, and I was not outraged by this. I think, it was, I think it's, per, it's perfectly normal, and it was kind of expected. Um, so we'll see what, where they go where they go on both guys. But for now, May is restricted, and Nathan Knight is a unrestricted free agent as the offseason arrives. Um, the biggest name other than those guys on the summit of the roster, according to Sarah, is Admiral Schofield, the number 42 overall pick out of Tennessee in 2019. He's had a pretty rough NBA career so far, but still a guy who was at least reasonably – uh, you know, a top 45 pick two years ago. That's not bad pedigree and a guy to take a shot on. So I thought he was a pretty decent bet um, in that draft two years ago to be like a, you know, again, like an early to mid first round, sorry, early to mid second round pick, I should say. Um, and that's kind of where he landed. So a flyer there and some other guys that I mentioned before, E.B. Watson's on the roster, et cetera. So they'll probably add another name or two before summer league. They always, they always seem to do that and they'll have enough guys to fill it all out. And then I would also, I would also think that, you know, they might have a short leash on guys, but I guess, I guess maybe not. I think Reddish and Okongwu were the guys that I thought that may, may not play a ton. We'll probably see a bunch of Johnson and Cooper and Mays and Knight. So that's four guys. You know, I, I covered a summer league one time with Mike Muscala as the only NBA roster guy on the roster. So it could be worse. Having two very, very intriguing draft picks and two guys returning in Mays and Knight to watch at summer league is uh, not a bad setup if you are a Hawks fan. 
Um, okay, from there, uh, the John Collins situation remains pretty much unchanged at this moment in time, um, at least as, as of what I've heard at this moment. Again, it's very late into the night here. Uh, there was one report from Sham Sarania before Free Freight Agency opened on Monday that actually went against the other reporting. Um, he reported on a video that the two sides between Collins and the Hawks are actually not too close to an agreement right now. I'm not really sure what to make of that other than it goes against a lot of the other stuff. And the buzz had been out there for the last couple of days that they were getting pretty close to a deal and there was optimism. Um, it is notable that he said that. Um, as a reminder, the Hawks can match any offer, so it's not like he, he, he can just sign and leave. Um, and also, this could be sort of a targeted leak. Uh, a lot of people speculated this, and I kind of agree with it on some level, that it would make some sense if you were Colin's side to put this out there and hope to get somebody to bite and give you that max contract offer, um, offer sheet, I should say, that you want. So I'm not sure what that's going to be right now. At this moment, only two teams have the cap space to offer Collins the max right now, today, and it's basically the Thunder and the Spurs. The Spurs have had a pretty interesting first day. They signed Doug McDermott and Zach Collins to some pretty interesting contracts. They still have enough on my sheet anyway to offer Collins the max, as do the Thunder. So it's not like it's a closed deal. And also sign-in trades can happen and uh, cap-clearing moves can happen. So we'll see. I think, though, that the market was not terribly friendly to John Collins today. There's been a lot of money spent and not a lot of suitors still remaining that I can see out there. So... Um, could be just a last-second attempt to try to jump the market. But uh, sometimes RFA can be a drawn-out process. So I, I thought it might get done quickly. Now that it did not in the, on the first night, it might take a while. I have no idea here. So we'll see what happens. I've heard still optimism that the Hawks will get this done or uh, at least be able to be able and willing to match an offer. I still project right now that Collins would be on the Hawks next season. But uh, a lot can change in the coming days. So that's where we are at this moment in time. And finally... Some salary cap stuff. This is kind of nerdy to end the podcast, but it's definitely um, very interesting and also important. As I talked about earlier with Trey Young's contract, um, the reason why the numbers kind of changed a little bit is because the NBA announced his cap and tax numbers for next season, and then there was some reporting for the following season. So the cap number for 21-22 is $112 million plus $112 million to $400,000. That is the number that I've been working on for a while, so I'm not surprised there. Same thing with the tax, about $136 million. Those numbers are unchanged from the projection. But Sham Sharani reported that the, proje- the projection for the following year, which is the 22-23 season, is now a $119 million salary cap and about $145 million for the tax. That $119 million figure is a little bit more than the, than the pre-negotiated 3% bump. And uh, that's like you know $3, $4 million higher on both the cap and tax. Now, that's good news for the Hawks if it holds because, of course, with Trey Young's max, max extension, anything for Kevin Herter, etc., you know, anything for Collins if he goes on there, um, we've kind of been talking about the tax for the Hawks in 22-23. That still might matter to them, but any extra room they can get under that tax th- threshold or maybe even over it if to have the, that threshold go a little bit higher is good news for Atlanta. So if you line up all the contracts, you figure Trey – maybe something for Herter and Collins, uh, plus Capella and Bogdanovich, uh, et cetera, they will be a pretty expensive team. So any raise, any sort of movement in the upward trajectory of the cap and tax is good news. So that was a little bit of a, a sprinkle on, on on Monday evening in favor of the Hawks long term. 
All right, that's going to do it for tonight's podcast. I'll have much, much more in the rest of the week. And again, I want to stress that this is all timely stuff. I'm trying to wait as late as possible to record. Hopefully, it will stand up throughout the morning. But if anything changes, I'll be back again within 24 hours to record again. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend about the show, and we'll see you next time.